Welcome to NFP, the Non-Fungible Podcast, with your host, D. Klein. Hey, this is the Non-Fungible Podcast, NFP with D. Klein. Now proudly sponsored by the Koi Network. That's K-O-I-I dot network where you can mint atomic NFTs on chain and get paid when your creations attract real traffic. Now you can find this podcast and you can dive deeper into blockchain trends on Cointelegraph magazine. Just go to www.cointelegraph.com magazine. My guest today is the recording artist and entrepreneur known as Dill. All right, Dill, welcome to NFP. So happy that you could join me today. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Darren. Happy to be here. You know how it is. I'm just degen on these music NFTs all day, every day. That's right. So, you know, I've been spending the uh, last few days, you know, watching your videos, listening to your music. I like the sense of humor you have in your music. Uh, obviously, that comes through. And of course, the huge emphasis, if anybody's watching, you can see the crypto stuff flying around everywhere, the Bitcoin symbols, the Ethereum's going, you know, flying everywhere. I mean, yeah. uh, prior to the crypto scene, you're a businessman, am I right? Like you were into, into business prior to crypto, am I correct? Well, yeah, for sure. But I mean, it goes back all the way to my first hit, Jordan Belfort, which of mm -hmm. course the human, the humor is present in that one, right? Sure. It's like, I'm rapping about the Wolf of Wall Street movie. We're having a good time. So I would say the genesis of all of my music is this kind of humor, party music, fun to listen to, but actually dope music that people really vibe with while still having this kind of funny aspect to it. Um, and so bringing crypto into it is something that I've done very recently. And the crypto editing in my music videos is like brand new. And so I'm pioneering that, I would say. In my last video for No Sleep, I really brought in exactly what you're saying, the Ethereum logos, the Bitcoin logos, all that stuff. So that's something that's actually really new. Um, the humor in my music goes all the way back. And I was originally, when I made the Jordan Belfort song, I was just a college student, right? So uh, I was a finance major down in New Orleans. And of course I was definitely interested in business, but this all goes back to like, originally I was a music artist. And then I got big in the crypto space after I was touring and I had a little bit of money saved up from my music originally. And so I was looking for like the next big thing, the next investment. And that's how I originally got into Bitcoin and Ethereum. And it wasn't until a few late years later that I figured out how to combine these passions of crypto and music. Okay, right on. So. What, what was your exposure then to crypto at first? Because clearly you already had had success. Like here you are a college student, number one on the college charts. Right. That must have been a crazy experience. Like was oh, that a was. point in time where you're like, forget it, I'm not going to college. I'm already set. Like what do I need to go to college for? Like you must have surely thought that at some point. Dude, 100%. I mean, you have those thoughts, but at the end of the day, when a song is growing in real time, it actually takes a long time, right? So mm -hmm. the song took probably two years to get to a million plays, then right. another two years to get to platinum. And so like, you have to realize also that this comes over such a long time. So I wanted to be like, hey, I'm set, let's go, uh, you know, <laughs> right. I'm done with school. But then, you know, I've got my family talking to me. I've got the the fact that, you know, we, we had a great run. We did 50 to 100 shows. I got to go around the country and perform at colleges, universities. I got to open for the Chainsmokers and Fetty Wap. I did some really big stuff. But at the end of the day, I was already two years into my finance degree. Mm -hmm. um, I had a scholarship and after taking a year off to tour and pursue music full time, I had this decision. Do I go back to college and keep my scholarship or do I lose my scholarship and just focus on music 100%? And so I decided to go back and finish because I was already halfway done. Right. I wanted to finish up. And I think that was a great decision. And ultimately, I would say it led me down the path to make crypto rich and, and create the first crypto rap album. So everything happens for a reason, I like to say. 
But um, it was definitely a crazy experience just being a sophomore in college and having this song that I made as a freshman start to blow up. And next thing you know, I'm going to shows every weekend, sometimes Thursday, Friday, Saturday in a different city, three different shows. And then I'm going back to class on Monday. There was a semester when I was actually doing that. And what I did is I went to every single teacher that I had class with and I said, hey, I've got this song blowing up. I'm going to be touring this semester. I would really appreciate it if we could work out attendance so that I could miss class sometimes. Every single one of my teachers saw what I was doing. I explained it very formally. You know, I was like, this is a business opportunity. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm pursuing a dream of mine. And every single teacher was allowed me to just not have attendance. They allowed me to, you know, do things in coordination with my schedule, which was awesome. So my school was very supportive. Um, And then I ended up taking a year off, like I said, and then coming back to finish my degree. But I learned so much during that time period, which really led me down this road of being completely independent. Because with the Jordan Belfort song, we signed a deal with a major label. Right. And that was a, a learning experience for me, as I would put it. But the major labels, they've, they, they do a lot of predatory deals. They try to sign mm-hmm. you early for a low price. And I definitely felt the effect of that. And so for me as an artist, I made only a small percentage while the song made millions of dollars for the label. So uh, this whole experience was eye-opening for me, which led me down to this road of being completely independent, releasing my own album myself and creating NFTs around it. So this is completely new world for independent artists now that we have NFTs and crypto and we can use that to get the funding that we need. And we can be our own label, right? We don't need the major label. We can get funding from our fan base and actually reward our audience instead of the major label who really just wants to suck money out of the ecosystem for artists. Yeah, no, it's totally true. I was just talking with uh, Matthias Tengblad yesterday, who is the CEO and uh, co-founder of CoWrite, which is basically a fan-based crypto uh, record label type concept where instead of, you know, getting your own record label, getting some massive record label like, you know, say Sony or Warner or whatever, you're able to do it in a more crowdfunded way. How does this work with your your system? Like, is it just you completely independently or do you have a, uh, I know you have this Deluminati uh, networking community that you've worked on and created. Is that part of this? Can you talk about that? Yeah, so that's my Discord chat. Just like yep. all all NFTs have a Discord community. Mine's sure. called Deluminati. Uh, we've got over 1,300 members now, maybe over 1,500. I haven't checked recently, but mm-hmm. it's growing pretty fast. We've got a couple thousand people in there who are all independent artists talking about how to grow their music, how to do NFTs. And I actually had the Deluminati group before I was big into NFTs, but that now right? that community has really blossomed around NFT support and music NFTs specifically. So that's a big part of it. But I'm a very unique person in the music NFT space because I have done everything 100% myself Mm -hmm. from website design to uh, the NFT structure and pricing to releasing my own NFTs and creating them. I've done everything myself, except for the artwork. I've worked with uh, talented artists to create the artwork. I also have some collaborations on the album. But when it comes to actually minting and creating the NFT, as well as the market materials and community around it i've done that 100 percent myself i would say a lot of other music nft artists are splitting with a producer or they are using a smart contract dev who's involved and gets a split or even down to the fact that like a lot of other people have community managers and other support teams around them which i think is great right i'm not saying that Uh, The best way to do it is to not have a team, but Mm -hmm. I do value being 100% independent and letting my community form around me. And if I can continue down this road, um, I think it would be really awesome to see like how the community gets on and supports because now I have almost 250 collectors who are incentivized to support my music and help grow the community and continue to listen to the music as well, right? Like to me, the thing that will make music NFTs massive is when we see music NFTs charting on Spotify, right? Hitting viral radio, hitting the billboard, hitting the real radio. And when you can be like, hey, this song in the radio is an NFT and I bought it and now it's worth a hundred times what I paid for it because this artist blew up. That's what brings in the masses, right? We all like to talk about how art comes first and it does, you need great art. But at the end of the day, you need to design an NFT that's gonna create value for your community, right? It's not like 
It's not like selling an album where you're just trying to extract $20 or whatever. It's more like you're trying to create value for the people who buy in so that everybody wins together and shares in your success as an artist. So I'm going to ask you a little bit more about that in terms of what you get when you buy a Dill NFT. But before I do that, I'd like to ask you for those who are musicians who are looking at this going, you know what, I want to have a go at doing this myself. What was your process? Like, I know you have work on OpenSea. Was that where you went initially? Or what was your process for, you know, getting your NFTs out there and getting yourself uh, into that industry? Yeah, I originally started on Rarible. Which okay, Rarib yeah, me too. That was my first. Yeah, Rarible is a good platform. I have a mm -hmm. one of 100 Crypto Rich Deluxe collection on there. Mm -hmm. I'm nothing wrong with it. I've actually had a bunch of sales over there recently because the OpenSea collection sold out first. So I actually right. launched the OpenSea collection later, but I think there's a lot more uh, liquidity and volume on that platform. There's just more trading activity and people are more used to OpenSea. Mm -hmm. So I really support minting on OpenSea. I think it's the easiest and cheapest way to mint your project, right? You go on, you initiate your smart contract, and then you can create unlimited items and test and mess with it for free. Now there's other ways to mint your music NFTs, but to me, it's like, why would you go to another platform with additional fees or higher costs of minting when all of the volume and liquidity seems to be on OpenSea? I mean, there's cool stuff going on on other platforms, but OpenSea is great. There's no gatekeeping. Everybody knows how to use it. Uh, you'll have liquidity, you'll have volume because that's where most of the NFTs trade. So in my opinion, I think OpenSea is a great way to mint your NFTs. Rarible is good too. I've had less success over there, but mm -hmm. like I said, I'm always going to direct collectors where the best deal is. So it's not like someone comes to me and I'm trying to tell them to buy on OpenSea for one ETH if they can get a similar NFT over for half an ETH on Rarible. And that's what I've realized is like, it might go back and forth from platform to platform where I'm directing volume. But at the end of the day, people will buy because they want to support me and they believe in what I'm saying. So I'll tell them where to get the best deal, right? You want to buy one of my NFTs, I'll personally show and tell you what the best deals are and how to view my collection. So that you can understand what you're buying and how the value is created right it's not just buying art at the end of the day you're not just buying art you're you're looking at the song you're determining if you like the song if that song is going to get popular on the album how that's going to affect the price of the nft is the album going to go on and be a world-changing inspirational album that's what creates value for the nft it's not just about having like a cool artwork or a cool song unfortunately that's not enough to make an nft massive and nft is, is related to the brand to the mm -hmm. artist to the consistency to the price history right so you want to find an artist who's undervalued who's working really hard and has great music and great content and also understands how to create value within the nfts themselves so i'm curious you know with this i mean obviously you've had great success here i mean anyone can look at you know your uh your uh, volume traded on OpenSea to see that. Um, but my point, my question is, um, do you ever look at, you know, helping uh, other artists get in on this action? Are you looking at, you know, um, producing other music or yeah, well, working on that the, side of things? At the end of the day, I think my best way to provide value is to help artists learn what they can right. do with their music and how to make it into an NFT. So I have a pinned thread on Twitter which is basically a blueprint for music NFTs. It's okay. currently at about 750 likes. I want to get it to a thousand because to me, that means a thousand people have learned how to make music NFTs from my Twitter thread. Uh -huh. So right now, if you go to my Twitter, it's famous underscore dill, or just look up dill or crypto rich. You can find it pretty easily. Go look at my Twitter and look at my pinned tweet. If it teaches you about music NFTs and you enjoy it, give it a like and a retweet. Um, and through that thread, I've already helped hundreds of artists as well as through my discord where we have almost 1500 members. Now, those are all people that are learning about music NFTs. So it's not just about creating the music. It's about helping artists take this great music. They They've put their heart and soul into the music, right? You've already put so much energy into this music you already created. It's not that much extra energy to now create an NFT product for that music. I think what people need to realize is that it's not that Web 2 and Web 3 music NFTs are separate. It's that music NFTs and Web 3 build on top 
of your music and your web two content, right? So what you do is you create NFTs based on your music, based on your music videos and use that to get funding to make more music or make more creative content or even more importantly, do marketing. One of the most underrated things and one of the biggest mistakes I see is that artists make money and they immediately spend it all on content or studio time. They don't think about budgeting some of that for promotion and marketing. And so when you're doing NFTs and being an independent artist, you need to think like a label. You need to save some of your budget for promotion and marketing. You can't just go out and blow all the money or uh, you know, or even just spending it on studio time and, and creative and music videos. While that might seem awesome to do with your money, it, you need to save a large portion of that and use it for marketing and promotion. That's my opinion, because we need to build our brand in Web2 using this funding we get from NFTs. And there's a lot of different ways to do it. But I think that music NFTs are really about creating this cycle where people learn about you in web two and they come to web three, but you also appeal to the web three community who then find your music through NFTs and DAOs and all of this crypto tech, right? They might find your music there, but then they become your fans on Spotify, on Instagram, on Twitter, on Apple music, on TikTok, right? So it's really just this cycle where you're using one audience to help grow the other audience. And I think that's the way it should be. Your NFT collectors are the people who are going to be sharing your music, who are going to be showing everyone, who are going to go to a party and say, hey, check out this dope song. Because at the end of the day, they benefit if that music gets really popular. Right. Yeah, there's an incentive there for them. Exactly. So what, what's the, been the most effective promotion marketing tool that you've, you've come across that you've leveraged? no doubt it is twitter spaces and clubhouse uh -huh. originally okay. right so being on twitter spaces all day every day has helped me grow my community massively and clubhouse was good as well but i feel like all of the traffic has gone over to twitter spaces so Seems like it yeah it's it's really tough to bring people over from web 2 to web 3. i can post on my instagram all day about what I'm doing with NFTs and what I'm doing with crypto. And people are interested. They think it's cool. You know, I've got over 100,000 followers and they've been following me for a long time to learn about crypto and to learn about NFTs. So I would say they're open-minded to these concepts. Even going back to my original song, Jordan Belfort, it's already about like investing and it's already about finance. So you would think my 140K followers are like the perfect demographic to like to enjoy the NFTs and to get into the crypto mm -hmm. space but it's very tough it's very early and people are not necessarily migrating directly over from my instagram comments to buying my nft so what i've realized is it's much more effective for me to focus on the people that are already in nfts and understand nfts and then they become my fans on instagram and spotify and all of that sure but all of my nft sales almost all of them have come from Twitter spaces and the NFT community rather than bringing people over who weren't already in NFTs. I'm very honest about this. You know, I would say 99% of my NFT sales have been people that were already on Twitter or already in NFT communities, not my fans who are coming over because they are really excited about getting my NFTs. It's more people who see the value in NFTs already and they see my NFT project as one that could be very valuable. So, um, and I build a lot of cool features in with utility. It's your lifetime ticket. You get the music download, you get merch, you get all of these cool things. But we have to remember that's all extra on top of the NFT creating value via the price. So I think it's very important that we're building NFTs which scale up effectively. You have to think about price structure. You have to think about collections and making rarity and take some of the things that work well in other types of NFTs right? Like profile picture projects, um, like the going back to just original NFT artworks and people who do one of ones. So I have all of these different things built into my collection that create value for my collectors beyond just the utility and real world functionality. Of course, that's a big part, but there's a lot more to it than just saying, okay, this NFT gets you some merch and take it to my show. That's all extra. Uh -huh, uh -huh. I think the biggest difficulty I've found with uh, Instagram is so often it's very difficult to tell how genuine people are there when they when you connect with them via that platform. It feels very disconnected, like how often you get people who express interest, but in reality, it's just, you know, somebody trying to, you know, 
take advantage of you one way or another. I don't know that that surely happens with you as well, where you know you get these messages and they're like, "Oh, I love your work. Would you like to do this kind of thing?" And it's like that doesn't sound genuine to me. Whereas I find with something like Twitter Spaces, you have that opportunity to have a real connection with people because of the yeah. fact that you're conversing and then they can look you up and there's just more authenticity there. I feel Instagram has this more detached feeling to it. I don't know if you feel the same way. Definitely. I would say Instagram is very much spammy. Um, yeah. Way more like way more people are using Instagram for business reasons um, indirectly and impersonally. I would put it yeah. that way, like mm -hmm. impersonally, whereas Twitter, people seem to be more engaged. Um, people, especially on spaces, when you mm -hmm. have that voice chat, it's just a different experience. Anybody totally. that's in there talking and listening, you know, they're way more engaged. And I don't know if that has to do with the fact that it's new and it's like the hot new thing. And that's why people are paying attention. But I, I think it also has something to do with the fact that audio chat is a different type of communication. Text is very impersonal. You can yep. comment on a bunch of things really quickly and not really care about it. Whereas to be engaged with the conversation and to be listening in a Twitter space, you really have to listen in to what everyone's saying. You know, you can't just tap in and read all the comments at any time. It's like if you weren't listening two minutes ago, you're not going to know what the conversation's about. So um, yeah, I mean, I think they both have their purpose though, right? Like mm -hmm. Instagram, Instagram is kind of like your advertising yeah. page whereas twitter is more like where you're having a conversation with your audience yeah 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 so you're saying you're doing the twitter spaces every day like daily full so like how many hours are you spending on like that sounds like a lot of work yeah it is i mean i spend most of the day on twitter spaces when i'm here working mm -hmm. um i also host three times a week twitter spaces monday wednesday 6 p.m eastern and Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern. So this is how I help onboard people to music NFTs and teach them and help them learn. And I've created a great community for music NFTs through these weekly spaces. So that's been a big part of what I do. And like I said, I'm just, I'm basically out here following what works. As an artist and a social media person, I've always followed what works. So on Twitter, because of Twitter spaces, I'm gaining hundreds of followers every day from this. And so that is big, whether whether you're on TikTok, Instagram, whatever, if you're gaining 100, 200, 300, 500, if you're gaining 1,000 followers a day, that's like insane, massive. So um, as someone who's really tried growth on Instagram, YouTube, uh, TikTok, I've seen a lot and I know what working looks like. And so I would say, um, depending on who you are, if you can get, you know, 50, 100, more than that followers in a day, it's working really well. So I, and I think that what's really unique is anyone can get on Twitter spaces right now and get started and gain a good amount of followers just by going up there and sharing some of your content and work. So it's, it's very engaged right now. And I would say every artist who's looking to get into NFTs should be focused on Twitter spaces as their main way of getting exposure in the NFT community. Hey, in cooperation with the Koi Network, I am presenting Atomic Zombies by D. Klein. You can find these at atomiczombies.io. We've got 10,000 zombies that will eventually be available, each with their own set of random generative characteristics. You can watch your zombies' characteristics unlock, emerge, and evolve as they receive more attention online powered by the Koi Network and proof of real traffic. Check it out at atomiczombies.io. You know, it's funny listening to you talk and then watching your videos, you're like an entirely different persona in your videos <laughs> where you're kind of this goofy, like you say, a college kid, you know, you're driving the car, steering ridiculously, you know, uh, uh, acting completely nuts, you know, uh, dancing around uh, expensive cars and so forth. You know, is that a persona you put on when you're performing or do you think of it that way? Because to me, talking to you right now is very intellectual, business oriented, you know, uh, professional. And then watching your videos, you know, is just kind of, you know, hilarious. So yeah. what's that all about? 
Well, I would say that's just me, man. I mean, I would always be, I'll be at a party having a good time doing me and people will just think I'm really drunk or something, but I'm just high energy having a good time. <laughs> right. And so that's just kind of who I am. And it's always been who I am. You know, I'm not, I'm not afraid to kind of be myself and just be a little out there. And that's, what's made me a rapper, right? Like I, no one ever thought I was going to be a rapper. I mean, to this day, I feel like there's friends and people in my life who almost are in denial that I'm a rapper in some <laughs> right. ways. Right. Or it's like, they just don't think that it's real, but it's become very real, especially in the past few years, especially with the growth of crypto rich, especially since this year, I had my best year ever of independent music sales, which is amazing. I've been working for almost a decade for this. And so to me, it's like, that's just who I am. I like to have fun in my music videos. I think it brings people in. But at the end of the day, you need to realize that like, I'm also a smart entrepreneur and an artist who's been working really hard for a long time. And I understand crypto and blockchain extremely well. Just look at my background. I started Advantage Blockchain in Philly almost five years ago. We're a consulting company and now a hedge fund. And we've been doing crypto for a really long time. Um, but I like to have fun, you know, and I like to bring that to my music and my videos. And I think that once you realize all that I do, you see how much goes into these videos and how much goes into the music. It's kind of like here, I'll use an amazing example that was formative for me. Two chains. We all know two chains, right? Like two chains is this big rapper. He says the most goofy stuff. He's like a top 10 rapper. Uh -huh. Like he's been huge. But I found out that like two chains, he went to a good college and got like a 4.0. And I'm not saying that's the epitome of like success. But what I did realize is like, yo, this guy says sometimes the dumbest stuff possible just because it's funny and hilarious and it gets people's attention. But at the end of the day, this is an extremely smart entrepreneur type guy who's had a lot of success because he's so smart. And so I've realized that a lot of music is about like, being almost dumb funny having a good time that doesn't mean that that you should look at a person who makes something goofy in their music as like not smart or whatever the some of the i think some of the smartest artists make this crazy goofy content where you're just like what the hell but then <laughs> the person behind that is probably a genius in their own way even if not outwardly or maybe not maybe not book smart maybe not the typical way we look at smart but this all comes back to like look we all know that people are categorized in this world based sure. on a very narrow, narrow set of specifications. And like music and art in general attract people who's who are genius in their own way. And they have this kind of eccentric way of acting. But when you get to know that person, you start to realize like, yo, there is something so genius about this person. It might not be the way they talk. It might not be the way they dress. It might, you know, some different pieces of who, who that person is might not fit in with your typical point of view. But then you listen to them speak for two minutes and you're like, yo, this person is dressed crazy and acting crazy. But like when they speak, they're just blowing my mind. And NFTs specifically attracts that type of person, I would say. I've yeah. met so many amazing people to where it's just like, you know what I was, I was saying in Miami when I was in Miami last week, it's so funny. I was there too, I didn't run into you though. Oh man, well, we, we got to link up. I had yeah, a few yeah, events sure. and, and stuff I was working on. But what I realized in Miami is I'm not going to go up to a guy in a suit. I'm going to go up to a guy who is dressed crazy. And yeah. <laughs> like that's as, a, as an artist, as someone in NFTs, like that's kind of how I act. And I feel like it's somewhat of a paradigm shift or a paradigm shift because- Yes. Right, paradigm, that's a word. So you're, you're uh, good. yeah, it's a paradigm shift, right? Because- it's like as artists, I'm going to go up to someone dressed crazy instead of like this traditional model where it's like, oh, business guys are all stuffy guys in suits. It's like I'm looking for the guy who just looks like he's doing something interesting. So I, and I'm sure that's always been present in the art space. But NFTs just really opens my eyes because I was looking around thinking that and I was just like, wow, this is different. Like I'm actually looking for the person who's like looking crazy instead of the person who's like looking like some some really clean cut well put together so whatever maybe it's a paradigm shift maybe i'm just crazy too whatever way you want to take it but what i will say is that nfts give you the opportunity to be yourself mm -hmm. and to create a community around who you are as a person or the ideas and the mission that you want to put forward so for me 
the mission and idea is so much more than crazy music videos where I look like I'm a party animal. This is about creative and financial freedom for artists. With my community, I want to inspire millions of people to pursue financial freedom through crypto. I want to help millions of artists learn about NFTs and get that creative freedom through financial freedom, right? Because, uh, you know, unfortunate truth of the world is that creative freedom in, in a lot of ways, it has to come from financial freedom. If you don't yep. have the funding to do what you want creatively, it's so much harder to have creative freedom. So crypto is financial freedom. NFTs are the tool for creative freedom. And that's what I'm trying to bring to the world and trying to bring to the NFT community is a way for music artists to understand what's going on here, is a way for listeners of music to understand what's going on with crypto and NFT. Because music touches a lot more than artists, right? There's plenty of people out there who listen to music every day, consume it. They love it. It's a part of their life, but they're not an artist at all. So if I can reach people who are just listeners of music and inspire them just a little bit to look at crypto and NFTs, then I feel like my album has achieved its goal. Maybe crypto rich album won't be the reason you buy an NFT, but it might be that little voice in the back of your head when you're like, you know what? There's people out there rapping about crypto and killing it with nfts so maybe i'll buy one and so that's that's my goal right just to inspire people to take a look at crypto and take a look at nfts because this is the path to creative and financial freedom and i learned that before i made crypto rich that's the whole reason i made crypto rich because i had this big platform almost a million monthly listeners and i wanted to teach them and show them what i had learned about crypto yeah it's you know what struck me when i was in miami was you know like say you'd be at a party somewhere and just walking through that crowd of people and going, there are so many brilliant, creative people here. And like you said, you can't tell by outward appearance because we're not tied into those conventions of traditional business, right? So exactly. it was kind of funny because I was having a conversation with um, Emily Lazar. She's the lead singer of September Morning. And we're standing there chatting and literally like three feet away from me was uh, Gabe Weiss, but I didn't know what he looked like. And right. so I, I had no idea it was him. And we, I never actually even said hi. We just kind of passed by each other. But I mean, I love his artwork. And you see these people all around you there that were just brilliant, brilliant people. And you just think of all the creative energy that was there in that place. And it was just really inspiring to be amidst that. But you're right. You cannot judge it, especially now with all the profile pics, you can't even tell what people are supposed to look like anymore because everybody has their cartoon PFPs or so and so forth. But um, no, it was just an interesting experience to be in a space where there wasn't any judgment on like, like you say, on like outward appearance in terms of the conventional concept of right. how a person ought to look. Right. So. It, it, in some case, it's almost like the polar opposite. Yeah. It's almost like it's almost like, well, it's not almost like the truth is we can we can go look it up. So many of the biggest NFT artists in the world, mm -hmm. literally, they wore some of the most ridiculous stuff to these NFT events. And to me, I'm just like, yo, that is so crazy. We are just <laughs> we're, we're in the art world. Right. And so this is the ultimate as someone like me who we've talked about it now, I'm, I've got a background in finance, you know. Um, I've, I've always had that background since college. I definitely thought I was going to go into this stuffy business job or whatever. Sure. And now, now I find myself at this crossroads of the financial world and the art world. So at the end of the day, NFTs are art plus finance. We all yep. like to talk about how the art is the key to everything. And it's true. The art is really important. The art has to be good. The art has to be great, Right. But at the end of the day, this is a cross between art and finance. So we also need to look at things like pricing structure. We also need to look at things like floor price. Yeah, uh -huh. we hate when a community is all focused on floor price. But if we can't create value for our collectors as music artists, then I think we've failed. So to me, success looks like creating value for my community in a lot of different ways, right? Including the market cap of value I've created. Through Crypto Rich, I've created a half a million dollars in value for my community community. And that's with about $100,000 of sales, right? Mm -hmm. So if you do your pricing structure correctly, then you can actually create value for the people who support you beyond just the 
real world utility, right? It's cool if you can come to all my shows. It's cool if you can get merch shipped to your house annually. It's cool if you get a collectible vinyl. It's cool to be a VIP in my community. But basically, these are all things that someone could purchase for a couple hundred or a couple thousand dollars, right? It's not that the it's not that the value of the nft is the utility the value of the nft is more related to my brand the nft is a piece of digital real estate for dill so at the end of the day the reason nft is priced so high has a lot more to do with the value of that actual nft and the pricing structure it's not just the utility i provide even though the utility is great and people like that that's why i say it's extra right? Mm -hmm. People need to be able to sell that NFT on the secondary market and be able to use that money to enjoy something in their life or to pay bills, to go on a vacation. Success to me looks like someone hits me up a couple of years down the road and they say, hey, I had to sell my crypto rich NFT. I would have loved to hang on to it, but I just funded my wedding and my honeymoon with my right, wife. Right my new wife because I sold your NFT. Like that would hit hard for me, right? That would be so cool to know. And, and that to me is what value looks like for my community. It's not just like, hey, I got a free ticket to your show. That's sick. It's like, hey, I came to all your shows. We had a great run. I supported you. I got some free merch. I bought some of your merch. I streamed your stuff on Spotify. I put it on a playlist. I showed my friend the music video. And then I sold the NFT and funded my wedding. Like that is the future of music. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's sure. the kind of shit I want to create. I mean, forget, forget all the, you know, forget all the sales, forget selling a hundred thousand dollars this year. That's a huge goal for me. But if I can have people out there who are like, Dill changed my life with the NFT or even just benefited me a little, then that's, I think that's really cool. Like I want the music to change the world and change lives. That's awesome. So, I mean, in terms of the utility, I mean, you have a lot of, uh features that are kind of packed in with your your nfts as i've looked over it there's things like um you know uh it's lift a dill merch care package for example or uh, the crypto rich mm -hmm. vinyl album or or airdrops like are those things enacted right now or are those up and coming or what's the situation with those yeah, it's a variety. So everything is a work in process. We're building this out. Everybody who buys the NFTs understands that this is all developmental. It's all sort of a beta version for how things look long term. Sure. So uh, to give you a rundown, we've already done the first NFT airdrop. Everyone got air, everyone who was holding a VIP NFT got airdropped the trading cards, which have been massive. The trading cards have created about $200,000 in market cap for my community on a wow. free drop. And that was in about the first month. So this drop was completely free for NFT holders who now they have a trading card of the album. And instead of selling their crypto rich deluxe, the VIP, the life changing, awesome NFT, they can now just sell a trading card and pay some bills off with that, right? So NFT airdrops to me are a great way for people to cash out, have something of value. They can hang on to it and stay in for the long run, or they can sell something other than the main NFT, which gives them all the airdrops and all of lifetime tickets and the shows, right? So I want to create value for my community through airdrops. Now the merch care package still in process. Um, I am actually testing out all the merch. So I'm doing another big order of all the merch. The key to me is I want the merch to be perfect. I need mm -hmm. to buy, test and wear it before doing the big care package. But right. the way that's going to work is actually credits on my store. So you'll oh, be okay. able to choose from hundreds of different items and you'll have credit because look, you might be a hat guy. You might want a t-shirt. It might be cold. So you want a hoodie. It might be warm. So you want a tank top. I don't really know, but I want to give my collectors the, the, the option, right? They can choose from hundreds of items rather than just doing a standardized care package. So all of these things I've thought through a lot, um, but you can see all the utility and features on my website. I have all this interesting stuff and years of history behind my project. I've been making my merchandise for over two years now. It's nothing crazy, but it's very solid, I would say, in terms of the branding and approach. You can check it out on my website, itslit.org. I'm also the only music NFT with a game, as far as I know. You can mm -hmm. play the mobile game on itslit.org slash game, or just head to my NFT site and look for the, the information about the game. But it's just a fun little web game that you can play. You can uh, 
be little dill and you jump over stuff. It's kind of like Flappy Bird or something oh, like nice. that. Okay, yeah. And it, yeah, and it plays all my music. And this is a play to earn game, folks, mm. because all you have to do is get a high score, post a picture in my Discord, and I will send you an NFT. So, you know, it is what it is. I'm not out here saying that it's got a whole economic system built around gaming, even though I think that's really cool. But what I am saying, is it's a beta version. It's a prototype. You can play the game on my website right now and hear the music in the game. And then if you get a high score or spend a little bit of time on it, I'll send you an NFT directly to your wallet. So I'm just trying to make this experience based and fit what the collectors want, right? And what the community wants. To me, it's not about building every single thing on chain. It's about making right. something cool and fun and then delivering value. And so that's what I think about the game too. It's like one day, maybe I will build a blockchain game that's completely on chain and has my NFTs integrated, et cetera, et cetera. But for now, why not let people play this little beta version of a game and give them the reward, the reward they want, which is a free NFT. It doesn't have to be so complicated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you. So what's what's your plans for the next little while? What are you working on right now? I mean, obviously, you know, with COVID, you know, all your touring got shut down. But I mean, has that resumed somewhat? Yeah, I've had a good amount of shows. You can yeah, see yeah. some on my website. You can go watch the Waka Flocka and Wu-Tang Clan show in mm -hmm. Atlantic City. I that must have been pretty some... cool, Wu-Tang Clan. Yeah, man. Wow. 100%, Tell me about that experience. Uh, yeah, Ghostface Killer and RZA yeah. came out. So uh, I was really a Ghostface Killer concert, um, but he brought out some homies and some other people in Wu Tang. So I got to open for some legends, Wu Tang no playing, and also Waka Flocka, who's dope. I love Waka Flocka. He's got some fire music, and he that guy knows how to put on a show too. And so I got up on stage and opened for these guys and I had my NFT in the background on the big LED screen. So the whole thing was really dope. And you can see a recap video on my YouTube. Just look up Dill Wu-Tang Clan and you'll find the recap video. Uh, that was an event that was open to my VIP collectors. So I've already had okay. a free Wu-Tang show for my VIP collectors. This is the type of stuff you get. It's your lifetime ticket to any show I do. And at the end of the day, there's never going to be too many people in every city that I work on. Right now, there's only 218 total VIP NFTs, and they're not even all sold out yet. About 100 of them are sold out. So what this means is that every show I go to, there's just going to be a couple of VIPs based on what city I'm in, based on who can make it and who can't. So when you own the VIP, it's your ticket to come to any of my shows. And like I said, it's all about delivering an experience. So at some shows, there might be one or two collectors. I'll just add them to my guest list and get them in. It's not going to be an on-chain ticket if it's only one or two people at the show, sure. right? But in the future, if I do a big show in New York for all my collectors, then I can build something that authorizes and accesses on-chain data to make the ticketing work that way. So we need to also remember NFTs are nothing more than like a key or a VIP pass, and we can always build on top of them. That's what mm -hmm. Web3 enables. So I can do on-chain ticketing, but right now I'm just focused on getting people into my shows and having a good time if they buy my NFT. That's awesome. That's cool. So yeah, I was asking you what, what's coming up in the next little while here. Maybe we can wrap up with what you're oh, excited yeah. about here. Yeah, for sure. So right now I'm working on a lot of music videos, a lot of content. My goal with Crypto Rich is to create a billion dollars in market cap around a single music album. So to okay. me, I have a lot of other music I'm working on. I have the next album planned out, which is going to be an NFT and an airdrop. But to me, I really want to focus on the content around Crypto Rich and building out this collection further. I think that having thousands of items is the key to reaching a huge market cap. Right now, I only have about 1,300 items, but I'm planning to drop more items on OpenSea. That means more airdrop. That means more values for my community. Um, let's take the example of Board Ape Yacht Club, which hit over $3 billion in market cap in a single year. Now, they started with the original 10,000 Bored Apes, but then they did the Bored Ape Kennel Club and they did the Mutant Apes. So this has created over 30,000 items. And mm -hmm. that's part of the reason they were able to reach billions of dollars in market cap. So that's something I keep in mind too. It's like my collection is going to be expanding. The people who hold my NFTs are going to get those as airdrops. And as time goes on, we can reach some of these goals. So new music is coming, especially new content is coming. Uh, I just released a new music video a week or two ago called No Sleep. It's great. 
great. Uh, you can check it out on YouTube. And I'm trying to hypercharge all of this and make more videos. I just sold all of my single one of one NFTs, which all go to funding a music video. And that was in the past couple of weeks and I've been on vacation and I was in Miami. So I'm just now getting home and going to start working on some of this content. But the main focus is going to be crypto rich content, music videos and stuff surrounding the album, as well as of course, new music and collaborations going into 2022, everything like that. But as a music artist with Jordan Belfort, I learned that great music takes a long time to grow. Sometimes you have these overnight successes with TikTok or something like that, but sometimes you have a really great idea and the concept and idea needs to grow in order for the music to grow. And that's what I've created with Crypto Rich. So I'm focused on the long term and I understand what it means to take my time promoting this album and making content before I move on to the next thing. I don't want people to see me move on from Crypto Rich and think, oh, well now I have to buy his new project and I'm not as interested in Crypto Rich anymore. I'm going to build a lot of value around crypto rich until people are like, wow, this guy understands how to build value around NFTs. And when that's really getting huge as a concept, that's when I say, hey, new NFT coming for my new album. Grab your NFT now so you get that airdrop to you when the new album drops. So the, the new album's got some kind of old school vibes, but bringing a hip hop aspect. Um, it's it's going to be a really cool project, but not as crypto focused. And I'm also working on something else that's less developed than the next album, but a concept I want to get out there, which is a crypto or NFT mixtape. So um, that'll be something that'll come in the near future, probably before the next album, I'll do something like that. Awesome. Wow. Lots of stuff in the works. Well, hey, it's funny because I think it was about a year ago we first encountered each other on Instagram. It's yeah. been a while. And uh, it's really cool to finally connect with you and to uh, get to know what's going on in your space. So I really appreciate you taking the time to, to talk with me about this. Yeah, man, I appreciate you tapping in and following up. I think we also spoke on Instagram about one of my goals, which is a great thing to talk about too. I'm going to be doing 19 one-of-one -one pieces mm -hmm. with 19 different artists from the community. And so there's 19 songs on the album. That's where this number comes from. And so what I'm going to do is match each artist with a song, and then they create a one-of-one -one piece inspired by that song and split it with the artist. So like I said, I'm constantly expanding this collection and and yeah, there's going to be a couple pieces for each songs that are that are one of ones right after we do the collabs. But when you own a one of one NFT, you own a piece of that song through the NFT, right? So um, I think that everything I'm building is about expanding and continuing to grow the community. And I've actually learned that more NFTs helps your network effects and helps your community grow. And I've seen massive growth since I dropped the trading cards, which got us to almost 250 collectors now. So um, it's amazing to see my community grow and have all these people around me who are supporting the music and have a piece of that success long-term. When do we expect to see these 19 one-of-ones out in the wild, do you think? Yeah, I think that is going to be in 2022. Yep. Um, not particularly rushing on it because like I said, I want to grow the community. I want to be able to sell those for one ETH or five ETH or 10 ETH, right? It's better for me and the artist who's helping me. So I don't want to go out with those and have a lower price right. because, because I did it too early. So to me, it's like, wait until my VIP NFTs are getting up. They're at one ETH now on OpenSea and like half an ETH on Marable. You know, maybe when they get to three, four, five, ten 10 ETH, then we can come out with these new VIPs, 19 new VIPs. I want to auction them off. So uh, to me, it's better for me and the artists if I time it correctly and can fetch a higher price for all of us. Yeah. Speaking of timing, what do you think of the current market conditions? I think we're having a little bit of a shakeout. I'm bullish. I'm in long term. I try to stay kind of diversified between NFTs, crypto, and I even have a little stock portfolio that I've mm -hmm. built over the past year. And that makes me way more comfortable. Like I was originally all in on crypto. I watched it go up to insane valuations in 2017 and then evaporate before my eyes, like, like unbelievably big losses. But then I saw that blow back up again. So 
what I've done since is look, I've take I've de-risked a little bit, as we'd yep. say, I've got a stock portfolio, I've got NFTs now, I've got crypto, and that makes me more comfortable. So I'm um, I'm all about being all in on crypto. I think you should have a huge portion of your money in crypto. But for me, it's given me a lot of calmness to be like, all right, well, I've got some stuff in the sure. stock market too. So Definitely. look, we all, we all love NFTs. We all love crypto. It's the future, but the stock market ain't going anywhere. So if you've no. made good money on crypto or NFTs, get some other stuff, some just silver get, maybe some, too. get some silver, yeah, too. get some silver, get something else, <laughs> diversify a little bit because with this type of, with crypto and NFTs, there's bound to be a bear market that might last yeah. three months or it might last three years. Mm -hmm. And you want to have, what I've realized is you want to sell something that's going up. And if you have enough stuff, then maybe you'll always have something to sell that's going up. So that's the value of being diversified. Right on. Not technically financial advice listeners. We had, I hold no responsibility for that, but <laughs> it yeah, is, I agree with you though, hundred <laughs> percent. Not, not, not financial <laughs> advice, but very sound information. I, so. yeah. I think that diversification is a very, very good point. And hard yeah. assets, right? Like when we, when we look at what's happening with uh, the money supply in America, I'm in Canada, the money supply went completely nuts over the last couple of years. And we have not yet touched the tip of the iceberg when it comes to where we're going to see inflation, I feel, in the next year or two. Yeah. And, and it's, it's making strategic bets, right? Like you can be diversified in different markets without being like a mutual fund. I'm not saying yep. be, be out here trying to be like a, a, a damn low risk mutual fund. I, I'm high risk in all of my investments right now. And that's because I'm young. And I and that's because I, you know, that's I'm blessed to be able to be young and have this opportunity to have high risk investments. Everyone's mm -hmm. at a different stage in their career. But like, I've got I've got some things in the stock market. I've got some things in crypto and I've got some NFTs. And at the end of the day, I'm in this for the long term. So my focus is just on how can I last as an artist, right? How can I last? I need to, I need to take care of myself. I need to have the funding to make music and make content and do all the things that I want to do with my life. And as long as I can last as an artist and as a person and as an entrepreneur, then I know my content is, is great and, and will do well as an NFT, right? So you always have to think like, how are you going to make it like create a strategy around being right? Like we said, financial independence and creative independence and freedom. So you definitely have to look out for yourself and think, how am I going to fund myself for the next year, two years? If crypto goes down, what am I going to do? So it's great to be all in on crypto. It's great to be all in on NFTs, but save a little bit in the bank just in case things go the wrong way. Mm hmm. Right on. Well, hey, I really appreciate your time here and I wish you the best of luck with all this stuff going on. Yeah, thank you, Darren. This was great. Appreciate you having me on. Uh, we'll we'll get it out on Twitter and wherever else. Just let me know when it right comes on. out. I'll, I'll, have have to, I'll have to drop in on your Twitter spaces sometime. I got to do a better job of that. I got to do more. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> Tomorrow at 6 p.m. I'll see you there if you can make it. Right on. Okay. Take care, man. All right. Take care. Have a good one, man. Thanks again for listening to the Non-Fungible Podcast. See you again soon.